for me? Is the mic good? Okay, good. We're in church family. How are we doing? I am privileged to preach the, the Word of God this morning. Um, and I just wanted to say to, to the Lord that I am awed. As I was preparing this this last week, actually I've been preparing this message for about, what, Steve, about six months now? <laughs> I know. It's not that long, I swear. I won't be here more than two or three hours. But, um, yeah. As I was preparing this morning, um, some of you guys know I, I, I walk in the... I, I, Jennifer and I live out of town quite some ways, and um, we live kind of in a forested area. And every morning I get to walk my dogs. I've got two... I've got a Rottweiler and I've got a German Shepherd. And I, uh, I walk about half a mile down the road. And this morning I had three cats that followed me. We've got three cats and all of them went, we all went for a walk, you know. And I was, I was, as I was walking the still coolness of the morning, it was just so beautiful. And I was just giving God thanks, you know. And this is actually off topic, but I have to share this with you guys. I was giving him thanks for the fact that the air I was breathing was just perfect. There wasn't too much oxygen. There wasn't not enough oxygen. I was thanking him for the ground I was walking on, that it was solid. Because a few weeks ago, it was mud. (laughs) I was thanking him for the fact that the sun is just in the right position so that we don't burn up or we don't freeze to death. And I was just glorifying him. And I was, because I was thinking, what am I going to say today? You know, I've been preparing for six months. I had no idea what I was going to talk about, really. But then I started thinking, I'm going to talk about you, God, right? I get to talk about God this morning. So we're going to start talking about God by talking about elephants. Again, you guys get to see what's going on in my mind. I have no idea what's coming out. So, so think about this. Look at, think about an elephant, everything you know about an elephant. But now we're going to go back to 1862, and four explorers are going to the deepest, darkest Africa. And these explorers are blind, and two of them have no legs. I don't know why they've gone to Africa, but that's just what they wanted to do. And they experience an elephant for the first time. And the one explorer is blind, he's reaching around, and he, he's fumbling around, he's touching this thing, and he goes, oh, it's a tree trunk, it's huge, it's like, it's like an oak. Just one of them. And the other one, that's not true. He reaches up, he touches the trunk. He doesn't know it's a trunk. He says, no, it's like a big, huge snake. An elephant looks like, just like a big, huge snake. Another one says, that's not true. He reaches up, he touches something spindly. It's got hair. No, it's coarse and it's spiky and smells kind of funny. That would be the tail. Another one touches the side and he says, oh, it's covered in thin, coarse hair and it's, it's old, it's wrinkly. So these four people have a different perspective of what an elephant looks like, right? And that's kind of what I want to talk to you guys about, is are we looking at God from our blind, low perspective and putting, him, putting perspective on him, on what he looks like and how he acts and, and who he is? Or are we reading his word? Are we, are we looking at God for, he, for who he truly is? You know, because the problem with, um, with our picture, it becomes clear with more details, right? The more we read, the more we explore, the more we pray, the more we chew on the Lord, 
We just try to figure out who he is. Then he becomes clear and his awe becomes clear to us. Or are we, are we blind, legless explorers saying, yep, he smells funny. So that's what I want to talk to you guys about. First of all, we're going to, we're going to discuss what does the Bible say that Jesus is, who, who Jesus is. And what does Jesus say that who he is? And who do we say, is still up there? Cool. Who do we say who Jesus is? Those are the three things we're going to cover, we're going to discuss today. Uh, if we can all open up our Bibles to John 1 1, I think this is probably the best description of who God is, of who Jesus Christ is. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. So who does the Bible say that Jesus is? He was there from the very beginning. Everything that we see was made by him. Everything that we don't see was made by him. Jennifer's grandfather, uh, who is responsible for me being up here, by the way, indirectly, well, actually directly, uh, he once asked me one time, he said, what's the smallest part of stuff? And I went, now, Grandpa was a humble man. He was, he was, uh, he was a plumber of 50 years, something like that. Uh, he worked on submarines at Groton, Connecticut. He was which is actually what ended up killing him several years later because of asbestosis. But um, very humble man, and, and, and he painted a picture of himself that he wasn't smart. He was super, super smart, super bright. And he asked me one day, he said, he said John, what's the smallest part of stuff? I said, I, I, Adams, you mean like Adams, Grandpa? Like, like elements and all that? He goes, yeah. I said, well, Adams. He goes, is there anything smaller? I said, well, sure. The, the atoms are made up of protons and neutrons and electrons. He said, oh, yeah? What do they do? I said, well, they spin, Grandpa. They spin around. They spin around so fast that they, they, they make like things stick to one another. Gold sticks to gold and iron sticks to iron and all that cool stuff. He goes, oh, yeah? What makes them spin? I said, I don't know. <laughs> he goes, what about Jesus? I bet you he makes them spin. In the beginning was God, and not a thing was made without God. Jesus makes things spin. And he sticks them together. He sticks us together, right? We're kind of like little atoms running around. And he's kind of a free electron. <laughs> go, to Gen- go to John 3.16. It's an oldie but a goodie. So who does, who does the Bible say Jesus is? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So Jesus is a savior. God loves the world so much he gave his son and his son was going to save the world. But there's a little teeny tiny caveat in there. If you 
believe. God is going to be our Savior. He made everything. He's been there from the beginning. He's going to be our Savior. He is our Savior. And all we have to do is believe. Go to John 3.6. I'm sorry. John 3.36. I left the 30 out of there. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. I've read that verse a bunch of times. It's highlighted in my Bible. That means that Steve's actually preached that verse. It's highlighted yellow. If it's highlighted blue, that means I really like that verse, but Steve preached it so it's yellow, right? And as I was reading that verse this morning, something struck me. I always read that verse wrong. I always misinterpreted that verse. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. And I always interpret it, whoever does not believe. That's not the truth. It's whoever doesn't obey in this Bible. Some of you guys might have a different version, translation. that says, do not obey. Like, what? Well, where, how did obedience come into that? Right? And I started thinking about that because I was racking my brain this morning, you guys. And, and what's, honestly, what scared me is I didn't want Jim Wilson to yell at me for getting this wrong. Because <laughs> I'm like, if I get this wrong, he's going to yell at me again. And with his heart, it, I might kill him this morning. We don't want that. So, Jim, I'm going to try my best to keep you alive today. Obedience is in belief. That's a commandment that I realize. God says, obey be obedient to me by believing in my son that I sent him to save you. Wow! And Jim, if I got that wrong, we'll talk later. I thought, wow, that's incredible. The Bible says Jesus was there from the beginning. The Bible says he is God. The word was God. He made everything. And then God gave him Jesus to the world to save. And we need to believe that. It's a commandment. We need to believe that to be saved. Belief in him brings eternal life. Forever eternal life. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here, you guys. But it's important that we get this straight. Because if we don't get this right, there's wrath that that we could see. There's wrath that our loved ones can see. There's wrath that our loved ones are, are seeing. I, I'm sure, I don't want to bring up something sad, but my grandpa, my, my flesh and blood grandpa, refused to believe in Jesus Christ. And he died about 20 years ago. And every time I read those verses, my grandpa was a good man, you guys. My grandpa taught me how to woodwork. My grandpa taught me how to be a man. My grandpa was there for me. My grandpa never had a stern word for me. My grandpa loved me beyond measure. And he's got wrath because he would not be obedient to God. And that pains me. But you know what, you guys? It's fair. Because God says, believe in my son who I've sent to save you. Sorry, did I bring this down? Sorry about that. So let's shift gears and focus here. Uh, like I said earlier, this started about six months ago when I was teaching Awana. By the way, shameless plug, we need workers. Did I do good, Steve? <laughs> I was teaching a verse, I was teaching the verses, 
And I was going through these things, and, and this year, for some reason, all the I am's that Jesus talks about was in here. I am the door, I am the gate, I am the bread of life, I am the light, you know, which we're going to discuss here in a second. And I discovered something in there that I want to share with you guys. This is actually why I'm here, is this part. The other stuff, I just kind of like, oh, hey, God, you just revealed that to me. But here, so who does Jesus say he is? Well, let's go through this. John 6, 35. If you want to go there, I'm going to be going all over John. So if you don't want to go, that's fine. I'll just read it off, but I'll give you a chance to catch up. John 6, 35. And the next one we're going to go to is John 8, 12. 8, 12. John 6, 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. If we look at bread, what is bread? My farmers right there will tell me all about wheat, and gluten's good, by the way. That's what he would say, right? I swear, it's, it's Robert. Bread is a sustenance of life, right? The ancient, ancient Israeli, Israelis, Israel, children of Israel, I'll spit it out, that's what they ate. They ate bread, right? And they lived. Huh, go figure. And so when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, whoever comes to me will not be hungry. Do you think these guys are like, oh, yeah, we could eat them? Or do you think they were confused? What do you mean, I'm not, you're the bread, I'm going to eat you? How, how does that work? I don't understand that. And then he says, whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Well, you're just talking about bread. Bread always makes me thirsty. You guys get thirsty when you eat bread? Yeah. Well, how can we not ever thirst, right? But here's an important thing he said. I am the bread of life. Hold on to that. Go to John eight twelve. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but, who, but will have the light of life. Remember earlier, Jesus was the light of life, the light of men, the life of men. Here he's saying it again. He is saying, it's in red. Well, I made it in red, but in your Bible, some of your Bibles have it in red, right? I am the light of life. You will not walk in, walk in darkness with me, but you will have the light of life. I am the light, is what Jesus said. He, by the way, he didn't say, I am a light, one of many. He said, I am the light, the only light in this world. I thought, wow. What does light do? Bread fills. Bread, bread requires, it gets rid of the hunger, right? What does light do? Light guides. Light leads. And in my case, every night, I don't stub my toe on my bed because I've got a light. Right? Anybody, anybody ever do that? Oh, wow. So we need light, right? And Jesus is saying, I'm the light. I, I am that light. I'm that bread. I'm that light. John 10, 9. Now, for some of you, you're probably thinking, well, why isn't he talking about the other stuff that's around these verses? There's, if you've never read these verses in context, read them, read these things. Boy, there's a fight going on right around here. Jesus is scrapping with the Pharisees. It's really fun. But I'm not going to talk about that because I don't need to. That's not my sermon. That's Steve's. He's got that. I am the door, Jesus says. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and, and will go in and out and find pasture. What does a door do? opens up for those who belong and it keeps those out who would do harm. It protects. 
Jesus is the door. He opens up to those who belong. And he keeps those out who would do us harm, who do harm. Interesting. We have bread that feeds if we believe. We have light that guides if we follow. We have doors that open and protect us if we would enter. John 10, 11. Just one more verse down. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. When that was spoken, that was prophetic. Now we know on this side, that's the truth. That's what good shepherds do. That's what Jesus did for us. And when he did that, you guys, the door opened. The light shone, right? The wheat fed. The bread fed. John eleven twenty five and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus was talking to Martha as Lazarus was laying in the tomb during this, this little thing here. I am the resurrection of life. Jesus laid his life down like a good shepherd in the earlier verse we discussed, and then he lives again. The only man to do that, do that right? The only, the only man that has done that. If we believe in him, we will have eternal life. This is what Jesus is saying now. The Bible said it earlier, and now Jesus is saying that about himself. He is the bread that feeds. He is the light that shines and guides. He is the door that opens and protects. He is the shepherd that will lead us. He is the resurrection if we believe. If we believe in him, we will have eternal life because of him. Nothing that we did, but because of him. John 14, 6. Then he kind of gets serious about this whole thing. and He says this. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Sweet. It just made my job easy. No one comes to the Father except for me, through me. Think about that. If you're a first century Jew and you heard that, you think you'd be a little ticked? Well, that's awful prideful, Jesus. But then we just learn something cool about Jesus? He's God. He's the bread of life. He's the light. He's the good shepherd. The Bible says from the beginning, he was there. He was the word. He is God. And no one can go to God except for through him. John 15, 5. I swear we're almost done with these things. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me or abides in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He is the vine, you guys. And what's interesting is this, not, is this, this isn't about bearing fruit. This is about abiding in Jesus Christ. And if we do, the promise is we will bear fruit. 
And the last I am statement I'm going to make for Jesus on his behalf this morning is John 8, 58. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham, before Abraham was, I am. I've said seven statements of I am up to this point. This is the eighth. There's not a Jew that Jesus was talking about that didn't get what he just said there. Jesus called himself God. I am. You guys want the reference to that? That's Exodus 3, 13 and 14. Becky and Dwayne know that very well. They taught on that in Sunday school this morning. That's how you know that God's talking to you. By the way, when you hear the same things over and over and over. All week I've heard these verses, by the way, from everybody, including Dion, who only said two words to me. One of them was one of these verses. I don't know. Exodus 3, don't turn there, I'll just, I'll just tell, you, tell you what it is. Exodus 3, 13, 14, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God, the, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And here Jesus says, Before Abraham. In other words, I am eternal. Thank you for that, Becky. You just, that little piece came in there. I am eternal. I've been here before Abraham, and I am. Is what Jesus saying, does it go with what the Bible says? Earlier I said the Bible said he was there from the beginning. There we go. There from the beginning. Earlier I said that he was God. He just called himself God. Matter of fact, let's go back and recap this. John 6, 35. I'm going to substitute God for the I am's. God is the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. God is the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. God is the door. If anyone enters by me, he'll be saved. God is the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. God is the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. God is the way and the truth and the life. God is the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus came to feed. He came to guide, to protect, to lead. He brings eternal life. The truth is, he is God, and we are his creation. Nothing was made that was made without Jesus Christ. We are that creation. We were made by him, you guys. If we, give our, if we give ourselves to Him, we'll have an abundant eternal life. That's the promise. If we remain in Him, we'll bear fruit for Him. At that point, you guys, I could stop. That's a, that's a great sermon all wrapped up, even though I still have 40 minutes. Wow, Annie, good job. We could, we could just stop. I could walk off the podium. Everybody got fed today, right? We now know who Jesus Christ is. We know who the Bible says Jesus is. We know who Jesus says Jesus is. But I got one question remaining up there. And that is a personal question for you. Who do you say Jesus is? Simon Peter shout out, You're the Messiah. You're God. 
He couldn't help himself. Do you have enough knowledge to be that clear? Do you know who Jesus is? Have you, have you heard enough information? Are you humble enough to know that you need a Savior? Now, some of you are thinking, well, you're not talking to me, John. You're talking to those that don't believe. And just in case you understand, uh, we, are, we are putting this on the Internet, so there will be kids and people that will hear this, and, and they'll have heard that message. But I bet you there might be one or two of you that still toy with that, that still wonder, can I put my faith in Christ? Is he the light? Is, was he here from the beginning? Is he God? Is he not God? Was he just a man? Was he just a prophet? One of you might need to humble yourself just enough to say, do I need that prophet? Do I need that Savior? John 3.16 and and 3.36 both say that if you believe, you will be saved. Romans 10.9 says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what you need to believe in, right there. Do you believe in that? Do you have the faith that Jesus truly died for you, was truly buried, and the third day later, truly rose again? Do you have that belief? Because if you do, you will be saved. You will have eternal life. You'll have an abundant life because of the light, because of the bread. Because of the good shepherd. And nothing we did. Nothing we can do. You will be saved. Is the promise. The reasons people reject Jesus. Is lack of knowledge. Everybody in this room. And everybody heard my voice. Doesn't have that option. Right? You don't have that option. You know now. If you're on the internet listening to this. Too late. <laughs> you should have left. You shouldn't have put, pressed play. Sorry. Some people will not believe in Jesus Christ because they say, "I can't touch it. I have a lack of perception. I, I don't. I can't see him. I can't feel him. Who can know if it's true or not? Who can know if the Bible isn't just made up words? Who can know that that somebody didn't make that mistake and, and mistranslated. Maybe he's not the bread of life. Maybe he's something different. Maybe he's just a man. Maybe, maybe, maybe somebody made it up like a, like a myth. That's what it is. It's got to be a myth. They can't perceive. They reject things they can't touch. They reject the supernatural. Maybe it's a lack of appropriation. They, they got it in their head. Okay, I hear he's the light. Okay, I hear he's the good shepherd. But I just don't believe it in my heart. I don't, I don't want to believe it. I can't believe it. It can't be proved. I, I, I just, I can't put my all into it. That's another reason why people reject Jesus Christ. Or you know what? Maybe some people lack the desire. They... They say, well, I've got to give up drinking. <laughs> I like drinking. Okay. <laughs> I like water. I said that because I left my water down there by my wife and I'm really thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> or they say, you know what? I, I've got a girlfriend and I don't want to give that up. Jesus would make me give that up. 
Jesus would make me stop doing drugs. They're legal now in Washington. I like drugs. I don't. That's, that's what they're saying, not me. Easy, Christians. God is love. And you know they'd be right. God's going to ask them to get rid of that stuff. Slowly, over time. Every time they read a verse, every time they're convicted, they're going to get their life right. Their life right. Wow, that was weird. <laughs> Give the man some water, he's going to pass out. I'm fine, I'm fine. So, unfortunately, those folks are clinging to a world because they don't quite understand that if they let go of that, Oh, a picture just flashed in my mind. Have you guys ever seen a, 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 a like a, a Coast Guard picture or a, a Navy movie where they're they're hauling the guy off out of the out of the water? You know, they've got, they've lowered a, the basket down the guy. A SAR swimmer's jumped in there and he's he's trying to get the basket to the guy, and the guy's clinging to his life raft, right? And he's like, oh, I don't want to go, right, right. The SAR swimmer's like, let go of the life raft. I can't haul you in the raft up. And the guy's like, ah. That's what these guys are doing. There's salvation on the end of that hook. There's also about 40,000 volts, too, so you got to let that ground in the, in the water. Anyway, that was a survival instructor, sorry. Can't, can't, can't get rid of that guy. Anyway, and that's what they're doing. They're clinging to their life raft. Well, these guys are clinging to their old life, and they don't understand how much better, how much more abundant it would be if they would just let that go and go to Jesus Christ because he's got the promise of bread, promise of light, promise of life. All that I am, these things he says. And then the last people that reject Jesus, lack of humility. And these guys are some of the hardest folks. God love them. I don't need Jesus. I've got plenty of money. I don't need God in my life. I'm doing fine. If you have accepted Jesus Christ's grace, you have something in common with everybody else, and that is you're humble enough to know that you need the grace. You're humble enough to know that you need a Savior, that you can't do it alone. You're humble enough to get on your knees, a penitent man, penitent woman, penitent child, and say, I need that light. I am stumbling around in this darkness. I need that Savior. I am going to die without him. I need the bread. I'm hungry. I need the water of life because I am thirsty and dying of thirst in a, in a parched, parched land. This old world is dying around me. This old world is dark and owned, and dying, and evaporating. And that's humility, you guys. So are you going to cling to your reasons, or are you going to claim what is yours? Jesus gave you that promise. And now, I want to talk to another group of people, and, and, and fortunately enough, probably none of them are here. Those people are once, they once walked. And something has got at them, has taken away their, their joy. That's why I can say they're not here. They're not at church anymore. Because somebody judged them. Oh, you got a nose ring. <laughs> you look funny. Oh, 
oh, Christians are terrible. This is true. We are terrible, by the way, right, Micah? Yes, absolutely. We are sinners. Dirty, rotten sinners. Amen, brother. Or these people were hurt by somebody, or a pastor said something, or a churchgoer said something, and they're just like, oh, these guys are judging me. These guys, are, are, these guys hate me. Or they didn't read enough Bible, and their faith was too shallow, and the evil one said, see, that, that guy thinks you smell funny. Which you do, Dion. It's okay, though. I love you. Don't quit. The church is full of hypocrites, they might say. Yeah, these people drink beer, and yet they tell me not to drink. Beer's beer, right? People are judgy. These people don't love me. Let me tell you something about this. About five years ago, so it's not too far removed. Uh, six, yeah, five years ago. I don't run away. I'll fix this, I promise. Miss Joan, don't run away. I'll fix this. I did not like God's people. It's true. Because you guys judged me. And you wouldn't love me. And I felt alone. You made fun of me. (laughs) And I almost left the church. True, five years ago, I almost gave up. Just I'm tired of these people. I love God. I love you, God. I said, God, I love you so much, but your people stink. They're rotten. They're mean. They don't love me. They don't love me. I think I said it a couple of times that way, right, Jen? Yeah, probably. Thanks for the help. And I was blaming God's people for the fact that I was going to walk away. And then as I was praying, because here's the key, I never stopped praying, I never stopped reading his word, I never stopped looking for a way to love you unlovable creatures. And then one day God revealed to me, maybe it's you. (laughs) (laughs) What? Maybe you're judging people. No, it's them, God, they're terrible. Oh, there's a judgment. Maybe you're not loving them. Are you loving them? I don't know. When's the last time you're near one of them? Well, Sunday. One of them almost touched me. (laughs) And as God showed me how I was being hypocritical and unloving and judgmental and how I could change myself, I'm sorry, how Jesus could change me. There you go. Jim won't have to yell at me now. Guess what? You guys became lovable again. You weren't so judgmental anymore. And I started loving his people. Because I asked how to love these people. And he showed me how. He said, they're lovable. They're covered in sin, but they're lovable. I love them, and I love you, and I love you the same. Now go there and be one of them. And I said, okay, God, I will. And isn't it funny, as I invited him, him, and this is my testimony, you guys, where am I at now? Isn't God great? 
to take a wretched sinner like me and save me and, and help me to bear fruit if I'm abiding in him. Promise right here. Da-da. I'm not God's promise. Didn't say that, Steve. Don't, don't get mad. Uh, fair enough. You guys see how that happened? I was, I was thinking about that this morning. I just was floored. If you abide in me, you will bear fruit. Okay, God will abide in you. Oh, oh, fruit. Some of them are named Caleb. Huh, Caleb? There you go, buddy. And now I'm talking to you guys. We're going to finish up talking with you guys. Believers. You put your faith in Jesus Christ. You put your trust in Jesus Christ. He died for you. He rose again for you. You know that. Are you abiding in him? And, and, and okay, now Romans 8.1 says, There's now therefore no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus. So I'm not condemning you. But are you reading his word? Some of you are. Most of you are. Are you praying to him? Without ceasing, Paul would say, Paul the Apostle would say, how do you do that? Jump out of an airplane. You will pray all the way down, I swear. (laughs) Are you loving his people? Are you loving the unlovable ones? And when I said that, everybody in in this room got a picture of somebody, right? You're like, oh, I hate that guy. Well, that's the one you should go love. You're a believer. Abide. Church, what would this church, this building, this this group of people, this particular ones in Davenport, Washington, what would it look like right now if you turn to the person next to you, not your wife or your husband, that doesn't count, you turn to the almost stranger and you say, hey, how would you like to come to our place after, after, after John gets done running his mouth? How would you like to come to my place for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a cold glass of milk? Sure. And then next week you do the same thing to another person. Not the same person. Now you know that person. And the next week you do the same thing to another person and to another person and to another person and another person. And pretty soon we've had lunch with everybody in this room a hundred times. Do you think you'd get to know God's people? Do you think you'd get to... Well, you'd probably get annoyed at the fact that they don't shut their mouth when they chew. Oh. But would you love them? Yeah. Would you know them? Yeah. Would it feel great to be fed every week? Yeah. And everybody would feel loved and included. Everyone would. What if you started a Bible study of your favorite book of the Bible, your favorite chapter, your favorite verse? You said, you know what? I got two weeks worth of study. Would you want to come to the, the back classroom there? Let me go talk to the elders. Here's a key. Let me go talk to the elders and see if I can do it, and use, the, use the, the back classroom. And we'll study the book of John, the book of Mark, Genesis, Exodus, the book of Ruth, whatever, right? And you, you, yes, you guys, even though you're not paid, you go study with somebody. Invite four of your closest friends. Invite three of your closest enemies. What would this church look like? What would we begin to look like if we studied his word together? Not all of us, just a couple here, there, and then two weeks, three weeks later, you grab another five people, you're doing that same study. Or you go watch a video at Canute Hernes' house. Awesome man, right? You take that video and you invite three more people and you do the same thing over and over and over. We have seven classrooms and seven days in the week and 24 hours to a day. Let's use this church. Let's use this building. Now, during Awana, you can't come here Wednesday because that's my time. 
And I'm very precious and guarded of my time, especially on Sundays between 3 and 30 and 5. Don't come into my building. You can come afterwards. I'm kidding. Plenty of room here. What would this church look like if everybody came to the prayer meeting on Thursdays at 5? Or started your own prayer meeting on Wednesdays or Tuesdays or Saturdays? We'd have so many groups coming and going all to pray and praise the Lord. What would we look like? Oh my gosh, you guys, can you see that? And it's in your power to do that. It's in our power to do that. You don't have to be a pastor or a former pastor or a future pastor. You just got to be a lover of God and Christ. We'll do it. What would our community look like if we went next door tonight to our neighbor? You know the neighbor I'm talking about, right? The one that always opens a curtain and spits at you, right? That neighbor, that one. If you went over to that neighbor and you said, Hi, I'm a Christian. And they go, Duh. You got the stupid cross around your neck, duh. I'm a Christian and I'm going to pray tonight before I go to bed. Do you have any prayer requests? Do you have anything I can bring before the Lord for you on your behalf? Now, after they get up off the floor, you guys, what have you just done? You've shared your faith, right? Now, do it again. And again, and again, and again. And pretty soon, 1,700 people in this, in this community will have heard God, heard about God, or more importantly, know that somebody's praying to Him for them. And maybe they're going to say, I should probably go to church. I should probably read that book that my grandpa gave me when he died. I should probably dot, dot, dot. What would our community of Davenport look like if everybody knew they were being prayed for? Whether they believed it or not, believe in God or not, what would we look like, you guys? To know that an almost perfect stranger who's lived next door to me for three years comes over and says, I'm a Christian, I'd like to pray for you. What can I pray for you? What, what, what prayer requests do you have? Where do you need help from God? Oh. What would our community look like if you went next door after you prayed for them a while and said, hey, I'd like to invite you to my church? And then they said no. And the next week, hey, you want to come to church? And they said no. How about next week? And the week after, and the week after, and the week after. And finally they figured out you just weren't going to stop. I do that to some of my coworkers, my other coworkers, not that one. He already comes to church every week. <laughs> and I drive them insane, but I'm not going to stop. What would our community look like? And why would we do this, you guys? Because we have the key to an abundant life in Christ Jesus. Why wouldn't you do that? I think so. You've heard me say this, um, and I'm trying to think. Uh, Penn and Teller. You guys know the magicians, Penn and Teller? Uh, Penn is a pen. No. Yeah, Penn. Uh, he's a devout atheist. He is a terrible, terrible man. Don't listen to anything he says. Don't go on his blogs. They're terrible. They're nothing about, they're all anti-Christian and anti-this and, and we're all going to, you know, whatever. He's just terrible. But one thing he said to me has resonated, resonated in me for almost 20 years. Not to me. He didn't talk to me. But one thing I heard him say, I should say. He said, how dare you not share, if you're a Christian, how dare you not share 
that Jesus will save me and that Jesus will give me the abundant life. That means you hate me that much that you won't even share. You have the key to an eternal life and you won't share it with me. He used a few explorative deletives at, at that point. But you guys hear what he's saying? An atheist is saying, you better tell me about Christ because that means you hate my guts enough that you don't want me in eternity with you. <laughs> so why aren't we sharing? Why aren't we going across the street? Why aren't we bringing, you know, are you afraid? I am, but that's okay. I'm still going to do it. There's bears. What if you went to the school cafeteria between the hours of 11 and 12.15, and my wife's going to hate me for this. She's going to yell at me, right, because she works there. What I'm going to bet you, what I'm going to dare you to do is pay, go to the, the elementary school office, pay your $4, get the little pass, do the little security thing, get inside the school, right, go in line with the kids, get your lunch, which is always delicious, honey, wonderful lunch, Sarah, wonder, Beth, wonderful lunch, Right? And sit down next to a fourth grader. And watch out because he throws things. And, and when he asks you, what are you doing here? Samuel, do I do this all the time or what? When he asks you, what are you doing here? Ah, just want to show you that I care. And God loves you. Okay. You, you know you, can, you guys can do that in this community? That's allowed? Right? $4 meal. You can't eat lunch for 4 bucks. Go to the Subway. It costs 12 bucks for one sandwich. What do they make that thing out of? What would our community look like, guys? Just, I'm just talking about Davenport. I'm not talking about feeding thousands of people, the starving Spokaneites in and, and Seattle. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. That would be great. Go do that, please. I'm just talking about starting here in our building, with our people, with the folks that you know in this community. Hawk Creek, Sand Flats, Lake Roosevelt, Harrington, well, maybe not Harrington, I'm just kidding, Wilbur, <laughs> Creston, Sprague, wherever you live, wherever you live, live by, go do that. Be a Christian. Be proud, because he is the light. He is the way, the truth, and through him we have everlasting life, salvation. Amen. I'll end now. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your truth and who you are. And God, I pray for those who are wrestling with, with you, with these facts, Lord. I pray that you would pierce their hearts, convict them of their sin, and they would cling to you, Lord as I do. I thank you for being the God is worthy of being clinged to. I thank you, Lord, and praise your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.